Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. We hope this message empowers you to love life, love Jesus, love people, and dream more. You can connect with us at citylifelansing.com. You belong here. Uh, anybody know this one? You gotta pop your head. There you go. Okay. Yo, I got water in my cup. Like, uh, yo. For anybody that doesn't know, that, that would be like, uh, it's like the mom, modern day Al Green, okay, maybe old school Frank Sinatra, but what that is is Tupac, and that's Dear Mama. And it lit up the culture, it really did. And it lit, lit up in such a way because I think it gave dignity and purpose to what is so underrated and undervalued is the commitment and sacrifice that moms make behind the scene all the time. And now not every mom makes that type of sacrifice, but there has been so many. And I think if we looked at probably the percentage of, as opposed to stay at, uh, that stay in the family moms versus opposed to stay at the, in the family dads, moms are going to win that battle and going to win that war. And what it, what it did was honor the mom. It honored the status. It honored this underrated, when nobody's looking, position that is so underglorified overworked, little or no pay, and it comes with delayed fruit because you might take 40 years to even get a I thank you or get a dear mama message. And even worse yet, sometimes it takes people sitting at the gravesite trying to say words that they wish they would have shared with their mom. And for this day, for some of us, it is a deep day of pain. It's a deep day of pain when you think, I don't have a mom. Never really, I had a great relationship with my mom. And in other days, a deep day of conviction and almost condemnation because you say, well, I'm not being the mom that I think I should be, but I pray today would shift and it would be celebratory, not because that we honor just moms and we honor all ladies because all ladies have been such a significant part in each one of our lives, but we celebrate and we honor because That's what God does because ladies are made in the image of God. And to give honor, we look in the scripture and it's a little different than how we would give honor in the world. You give honor in a world based upon if somebody now has completed a lot of things, give them the reward. I'm gonna give you maybe a trophy. You know what? You might get a plaque on the wall. If you're really good, really good, I just might name someone after you. And if you're even better, you might get a raise. And in fact, ladies have felt this too often. The status of, oh, you have to do this to get this. And it's typically influenced by sexual desires and domineering in some position or shape or form. And that's not the heartbeat of God. The heartbeat of God is to honor in a way that says, I'm not just honoring you because you're worth it. Because sometimes people aren't really worth it. I'm honoring you because you're worth it to God and God cares about you. And so when you honor somebody, in 1 Peter 2, 17, it says, honor all people, everyone. You honor everyone because it is honoring the Father. It honors what God holds as dear. God holds you and me as dear. It's hard to feel that way because the world is constantly comparing you to whatever stereotype is, is, is out there on a daily basis. And honor is actually directly even tied synonymous with love. To think that to love somebody, well, God is love. To love a person, you would honor them because you're honoring that God cares about them. So maybe you found it really challenging to honor somebody. Maybe the perspective shifts today, this morning, 
that you think I'm not honoring somebody based upon just what they do. I'm calling out the king or the queen in them based upon whose they are and they are God's. You remember I've said, uh, you never looked into the eyes of somebody who doesn't matter to God. I'm telling you, God loves you. And so today we honor all women. And then we also think about what is our role as men? How do we cultivate a godly woman's relationship with Jesus? And how do we encourage that? But how do we also step up and not let them keep taking all of the things that they're doing that we're supposed to be doing? It gets kind of challenging. Because if you think about it, the world today is um, it's pretty much like God's secret, but uh, what's public is um, Victoria's secret, right? And that's the comparison. And that's why ladies feel the shame. They're constantly comparing themselves to people that I've never even seen. They're almost on yacht clubs. I, think, I don't even think these people are real. They're www.photoshop.com. These people don't exist. And we're, and we're feeling uh, this image. I'm, I'm fr- I just can't add up as a lady. I'm not. And then as guys, we're comparing themselves with, with the ads. We're looking, oh, well, you're not as good as this. And what happens is because we haven't been trained on identity. We're not seeing a billboard that says you're worth it, you matter. We're not seeing a billboard that says, hey, it's more important how you think than how you look. Hey, it's more important than, than, than how you raise your kids than what you wear, are we, right? No, 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 because the mirage is trying to lead us astray. It's a decoy trying to rob us from the real McCoy because if Satan can get us busy as being busybodies comparing what we're doing, it's so silly. We're kind of like spraying perfume on us. We're trying to get the best looking we can, but God takes us in our worst place and he doesn't care how we look, what we've done. And he still says, you're beautiful. I love you. That's the gospel. And so we celebrate the gospel this morning. And so dear mama, man, gives a new type of posture when you think, wow, I'm honoring God's moms, God's ladies, all women that God has made and shaped and God has positioned in this world uh, for greatness. That's what God does. I want to look at just a few stories of some incredible women throughout scripture. And I, uh, one of the most fascinating aspects of the gospel, this is so intriguing and compelling, like why follow Jesus? Because Jesus gives dignity to people and people groups that are oppressed unlike any place on the planet. Jesus shows up for women in a culture that women don't get to be showed up for. They don't get access. They're not getting a voice. They're they're not having a seat at the table. You know, they're not spoken, let's spoken to. They're, They're not allowed to speak unless spoken to. They're not allowed to dress certain ways, you know, and they're constantly belittled in this culture. And so you see so many interactions with women and Jesus because they recognize so much of what it's like to be oppressed. And if you see people groups that have went through so much, what you'll find is sometimes the praise is the loudest when they hear the gospel because they understand what it's like to be forgiven. They don't understand what it's like to be accepted. They understand what it's like to not be condemned, but to be transformed and to have new life. That's what happens. And there's some incredible women we see in the Bible. And I just want to turn to 1 Corinthians 7 and just look at something real quick. And I find this uh, just, this is one of the mysteries of the text. They use some Old Testament language here. Let's talk about what marriage, the context of marriage and and, and even that it would be uh, beneficial, like if you're not married to just focus on the kingdom. 
Anyone who's ever been in a relationship know it's really hard to focus on God all the time when this thing ain't working well, right? If this thing ain't working well, we gotta talk, we gotta, we're gonna text, I'm gonna frustrate it, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do something, right? I mean, that's what's gonna happen. But, but, but when, when, when this thing's working right, Okay, then it's easier to love this thing. But it's really hard to love this thing when this thing ain't working right. In fact, I got to get this right before I can even talk to him because I can't listen to you right now because she's bugging the living nonsense out of me. And then she's thinking, well, you're bugging the living nonsense out of me because you didn't do this, 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 this. And the longer you're in relationship, this is where it gets really crazy. The longer you're in relationship, the more you know about each other and the more you know about how bad the other person is. And so what happens is you think you want to go to the next thing. Well, actually, this is the first time you were ever known. And it's the first time you were ever know somebody at that deep level. In 1 Corinthians 7, you see an unbelieving husband and that the faithfulness of the spouse could cover, provide holiness for the household. Some scholars say in this passage is where you even get where the family, you were infant baptism or the whole, the whole household because uh, by, the, by the faith of either spouse, you could cover and even provide like a holiness to the household. And it's such a unique part of the text because as Jesus comes, he's ultimately obviously what's holy, but to still kind of carry this idea from the Old Testament that by your obedience, it could Bless your family. And I think there's been some people, you hear these stories of, you know, the praying mom late at night and the person that's been out partying and they come home and it's like, mom was still praying for me. Mom, grandma was still praying for me. Grandma would not let it down. Grandma would not let it down. It's because there's something, there's something to it. There's something just beautiful. And in verse 12, it says, to the rest I say, I, not the Lord, that if any brother has a wife who is an unbeliever, this is kind of like Paul kind of injecting his own opinion here, and she consents to live with him. He should not divorce her. But if any woman has a husband who's an unbeliever and he consents to live with her, she should not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband is made holy because of his wife and the unbelieving wife is made holy because of her husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean. But as it is, they are holy. But if the unbelieving partner separates, let it be so. In such cases, the brother or sister is not enslaved. God has called you to... This is good for some people that have been carrying the weight for so long. You feel like, you know, on the wishbone for Thanksgiving, you're always getting the smaller half. You're always carrying all the weight that God has called you to peace. For how do you know, wife, whether you, are, you will save your husband? Or how do you know your husband, whether you will save your wife? And I love how it ends with that question because what it does is it puts it right back on God. You're not called to be God in any setting, what you do is called to submit and find your life holy before God. And then you can change the climate of the setting. That's what success starts to look like when you're in your household. That's what success looks like when nobody's looking. That's what success looks like when you feel like, okay, the world's telling me one thing. I want to get mine now. I want to get it. In fact, that's the only way I can get it. I have to take it. And I have to demand respect because he's not treating me right. I can't find a man of God because they're constantly looking for this facade that's off. But if you kind of 
pause back and you start to say, you know what? I think by my faithfulness, I could lead them to repentance or at least show them the goodness of God that leads people to repentance and that his love through me, I hope you get encouraged this morning for so many people that have been carrying so much weight, unfair weight because other people haven't been stepping up to the pump that you would be encouraged to understand that you can change the climate of your setting. Another situation I think about in Titus chapter two. This is, um, this is Crystal. Titus chapter two is Crystal, my wife. She's a dear mama story here. Um, you know, it's like, I don't want to share all my emotions and kind of get like bottled up. You know, I'm like the dude's like, yeah, no, I love you. <laughs> well, explain it. You know, I love you. You know, can we, can we move on? Where are we going? Guys aren't elaborate with their emotions. They show their emotions, um, you know, basically by, they have to think of ways to hang out. You got to kill something. You got to go in a boat, you know, fish for something. You got to think of ways to hang out, you know, go to a game, cheer for something. But ladies, they can just hang out and share their deepest thoughts. And, and guys, we can't share our thoughts, but I think Titus does a great job of sharing just one of my thoughts about uh, Crystal is it says in verse three, Titus, Titus chapter two, older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanders or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good. And so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. And what that means is the message, I love what it says. It says, we don't want anyone looking down upon God's message because of their behavior. And to think that the obedience, the attitude, the climate of a wife holding the position in her house, holding it down, that that would encourage the good news to go forth. How exciting that you don't have to be the person with the microphone. You don't have to be the one that's on the cover of anything that you could still be a part of God's plan, God's team. Everything is awesome that you're connected when you're part of the team. You can still be a part of it. And that is so successful. There's other girls that you listen to that passage. Maybe you've been raised a little differently where you're not, you don't feel like you got the homemaker gift. You feel like you got the home runner away from gift. And you're just like, I can't be around babies, man. There's good news for you too. Because God has a purpose in that and he will use different types of women in your life even to stretch and challenge you and that you add value to that setting. I think it's just been the message of this whole series, which is we come to the table with our Lego piece and we just say, I see all of your skills and I wanna compare all of my skills to your skills. And you know what? I'm disappointed that this is my Lego piece. God made your Lego piece exactly how he wanted it because he knows exactly how it fits and you gotta be, but you gotta let other people you know, connect with you because they're gonna start to help you build something more beautiful than you could on your loan. That's why we get up off the floor. We start to get engaged and just wanna honor the moms that have been holding it down like Titus chapter two, when nobody was looking, God has been looking. So in a world of Victoria's Secret, I'll tell you what, God's secret, here's what it is for all the ladies this morning. He sees you. He knows you. He loves you. He's proud of you. He wants to encourage you. And you might even say, but, 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 but you don't know what I think about. You don't know all the issues I've done. You don't know the bad parenting I've done. Okay. Yeah, I might not know, but God knows. And he still comes to you with open arms saying, hey, it's a new day. Are you ready? Oh no, I got, God, I got to get cleaned up for you. I got I to get cleaned up. It's, it's Mother's Day. No, you don't. 
It's always been Mother's Day. I've always had a plan for you. I've always had a purpose for you. Well, I, I'm not a mom. I can't, I can't, you know, uh, it, was, it was fun handing out flowers to people. They're like, well, I'm not a mom. I'm like, oh, well, man, what a shallow day if we can only give these to moms. I mean, yes, of course it's mom's day, but Hallmark don't decide who in the world we can give flowers to. We're giving them to all ladies today. So all ladies are getting a flower. And so you're going to get a flower no matter what. Even some little, you know, boys came back. I want a flower too uh, from Kid City. I mean, they're, because a flower just to represent in a small way that you're beautiful to God. In fact, I got a flower here. I'm going to do a little exercise. The 930, man, they couldn't listen to rules. So we'll find out if you guys can listen to rules. In fact, Jorge, we, we had to describe, I don't know where Jorge is. Where's Jorge at? I told him we got to get a leadership lesson um, planned uh, on just how to like follow authority really well. Not like, you know, um, in, a, in a bad way, but just in a simple way, just at least one, two, three, four. It didn't come back right. And uh, so, but their 930 is awesome, y'all. It's one of my favorite. I love them both for different reasons, okay? So don't be hating on 9.30. I was just kind of making sure y'all got it right. So grab a pedal and you're just gonna pass it down. Grab a pedal and keep passing it down. Just keep passing it down. And just keep passing it down. Just keep grabbing a pedal and then all the way and keep that party going. One of my favorite interactions with Jesus and women is when in Luke chapter seven, verse 37, it says this, and behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, she learned that he was reclining at the table of the Pharisee's house. A sinner, Jesus, the setting. He's around some leaders that they got everything right. And they like to let everyone follow the rules to make sure that they're in the game with them to make sure that this is how you meet God. She comes in and she brought an alabaster flask of ointment and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. And now when the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is touching him for she, she's a sinner. <laughs> you can just feel this, this is church like 101. Did you, I mean, I just am so glad, glad uh, sister so-and-so's coming because she, she has a lot of stuff she's working through. We really got to pray for her. I saw her last week at the club and I think she's on leadership. I think, I think she's on the dream team. Um, I hope pastor's talking to her. Um, I'll just bring it up as a silent prayer request, but I told you, I don't think they would matter. I don't think they would mind if we told you. This, this happens a lot. It's interesting because God always says, when you notice things, first, did you notice what's in your own heart? And if the Pharisees were getting it, they would have kind of came with this brokenness saying, man, hey, wait, I know we've had a log. Seems like she has a speck. How do we gently approach her? Because Jesus is reproach, approaching her. And so here's Jesus allowing her to even be in the presence of him. Who's her? A sinner. And so her, her rap sheet's pretty long. And in fact, one of the gospels says her story should be told anytime the gospel's told. Anytime the gospel's told. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have, have something to say to you. And he answered him, say it, teacher, say it. A certain money lender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Somebody who's in some credit card collection wishes this was you right now. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt and the both. And now which of them will love more? Simon answered, the one I suppose for whom you've canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning towards the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? 
I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet because this is what a good host should do. But she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair and you gave me no kiss. But from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you her sins, which they're many, they're forgiven. She loved much, but he who is forgiven of little loves very little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at the table with him began to say amongst themselves, who is this? Who even forgives sins? And he says to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Did, where's, where's my flower? How'd my flower go? Where's that bad boy at? Is it still going? That's been the longest adventure ever. Keep that, keep that going. The setting, the rules, the religious leaders, they felt she shouldn't be in your presence, Jesus. And Jesus, it was such an amazing point because he breaks it down. He starts to say, well, everything that she's doing, you should have done. You didn't do. And then he goes, the ultimate, I accept you. I forgive you. Think of that dignity. Come on, I forgive you. I accept you. I love you. Because he recognized that she, she knew what it was like to be oppressed. She knew what it was like to be beat down. She knew what it was like to not be accepted. She knew what it was like to like walk in and have everybody kind of look at you and think you're not good enough. And I think this is what it really comes down to on Mother's Day is it's just, isn't just about us going out to eat and thinking of what we can do for a moment because let's be honest, the high, the high won't stay good enough and uh, the food, you'll, you'll think about the bill later. And, but what, what, what's happening is, is when Jesus says, I accept you and I love you, you start to have identity and say, no, no, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Jesus girl now. I, I, I'm loved. I, I'm obedient, I'm faithful, I'm forgiven. And you just start to cry and weep because the very thing that you've been longing for and what you've been given countless times, time and time and time again to other people looking. And a lot of times because man has abused you in some way um, in this room, sexually, uh, physically, emotionally. And there's even people in this room, you've abused people sexually, emotionally, physically. And then, then what the gospel does, it actually finds both people and it says, no, I can transform you if you'll let me rename you, remark you, reposition you, rebirth you, like I will do it. I will, I will do it. I will give dignity to, to somebody who's at the lowest, but if you got to find your face in your life at the feet of the cross. The problem is, and this is uh, what I said in the Bible study Wednesday with the guys, is guys, you know what? We play alpha too much and we get to, because we pay the bills sometimes. And when, when, we're in the, when we're in the life, or even if we're a part-time in the life, maybe we kind of pay the bills from a distance, but we still want all the authority and all the responsibility and definitely all the respect. You know what I'm saying? Give me my respect. You know, we want all that when we show up. And, and so you better do that. And so what happens is we walk around like a king, like I'm a king, I'm a king. Well, guess what? There's a real king. He's the alpha. And when he comes, I mean, he, he is loud, right? You know, he's loud. And you got to bow before the alpha because when you bow before the alpha, now you're leading your household like, I got to answer to you for this thing. Okay, well, now I better be a little bit more gentle, a little bit more humble because I see you because you're on the cross and you're saying things like, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. And he's dying on the cross and he's riding on a donkey and he's not coming in with power saying, hey, where's mine? Where's dinner made? I'm sorry, Crystal, I've said that a couple times. Where's my dinner? You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what happened happens is because we got the wrong kingship, the wrong identity, the wrong posture, the wrong owner. And it's just, it's all warped out. And that's why family
families are so messed up. That's why moms are carrying so much weight. And that's why there's so much nonsense going on. And there's so much abuse and there's so much law. It's because what Jesus is doing, this is the whole story of the mess. This is what he's doing. You know what he's coming? He's bringing all things new. And then one day when we're in heaven, literally all things will be new. And so Mother's Day is just a time to even celebrate the gospel. The gospel, the moms that have championed the gospel, the moms that feel like I, I missed out, I just have been struggling. You know what? Maybe, just maybe, just maybe, God can redeem seeds that you didn't even think were worth anything. Maybe that you won't hear the I love you or I'm sorry's, but that God can do something great. I think of some dear mama stories that I just want to highlight here at the church and some, some beautiful uh, moments. Some of the interns wrote some amazing things about their parents. I want you to check this out. We got, I got first, I got, we got Kendall. She wrote to her mom. She wrote, happy Mother's Day. I'm proud of you for not letting cancer get you down. Keep fighting. Love you, Kendall. Now, Christy, another intern, she wrote, hey, mom, thank you for showing me what it means to be a loving mother. You are definitely my, what? My, what mom goals I'm looking at like font negative two and you guys are looking at the big one. You're a great mother and a great mom. Here's Noah. It says, mom, thank you for your loving and caring hearts. I was thinking, man, what, what, it, what would I write for my dear mama story? I would say this. One time I wrote a letter to my mom. I, I don't always express my feelings. My mom's, I don't know if she's here, but in Okay, it's cool. Well, Ma, I don't always express my feelings, but here's one. And you remember this. There's the one thing I wrote you, and uh, well, I've wrote you many, uh, hopefully at least a couple other things. Well, the one thing I do remember, <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, so I wrote, I wrote something along the effect of, it didn't matter if we had everything. It didn't matter. Um, and my dad was in, in my life too, even when my parents got divorced. So it wasn't like, I'm just saying, you know, parents, it's the worst life ever, but it didn't matter uh, the things we have, because the one thing you gave me transcend any part of time. And that was that you always told me, and people still laugh at me to this day when I tell my testimony. I say, man, I thought I was going to the NBA. And they literally will do is like, oh yeah, man. <laughs> he like kind of laughs, you know? I'm like, no, I thought I was going to the NBA because my family, my mom, she always told me you can be anything. You can do anything. And I remember thinking that all the time. And that was in my DNA. It was in my soul. So I was a dreamer ever before God grabbed me, but I realized it was God using my mom to plant dreams in me. So finally, when Jesus really got a hold of me, that I could believe for crazy things, that God could do something in Lansing, that God could plant a church like City Life, that God could do City. And that was all because my mom had been planting seeds saying, man, you can do it. And I'm telling you, God uses things that you would never imagine in ways that you could never think or dream. Rhett has a funny video. I want you to check this out, but it's a good truth. Mom, pretty soon you'll be seeing lies all over online saying, ooh, happy Mother's Day. Mom, you're the best mom ever. Don't believe any of it. You are the best mom ever. Thank you for loving me, supporting me, and always being there for me, Mom. I love you. Happy Mother's Day. Uh, do you believe it today? Do you believe that God loves you? You don't have to be a mom to just believe that, that God has purpose. He has dignity for you. You know, and it really starts in all of us. It starts at home and it starts with sacrifice. Mother Teresa, you know, she never had children, but how many know she had children? She had children. Check out this clip from Mother Teresa. I personally am most unworthy, but I brought a girl child from the street and I could see in the face of the child, as the child was hungry, 
God knows how many days they had not eaten. So I gave her a piece of bread. And the little one started eating the bread crumb by crumb. And I said, eat. I said to the child, eat the bread. Eat the bread. And she looked at me and said, I'm afraid to eat the bread because I'm afraid when it is finished, I will be hungry again. This is a reality. Maybe we are not hungry for a piece of bread, but maybe there is somebody there in the family who is unwanted, unloved, uncared, forgotten. There is love. Love begins at home. And love to be true has to hurt. And this is what I bring before you. To love one another with great love. Shout out to all the ladies who have been loving through hurt and through sacrifice. Because real love hurts and it sacrifices. I don't know if that was the beginning of a clap. I wrote down, I said, dear mama, God sees you. God sees your pain. God sees your struggles. God is here to say, don't stop. You are changing the world forever. It's really hard to start to really believe God loves you. It's insane. You can't really fathom, well, why would he love me? Where's my rose is, or my carnation? Is it around here still? Where'd that thing make it up to? Who, who's got that? Let me see that thing. Where we got? What we got here? You guys succeeded. Tell the 930, you won. Do you have a little friendly competition? <laughs> if you went to a store, you went to a store and you found these two just sitting there, you'd be like, okay, which one am I going to bring home to my babe? And, and you'd see this one and you'd be like, wow, someone took all the petals. I'm definitely not going to grab that one. But you'd grab this one that looks all pretty and you'd be like, hmm. Well, this is the one worth my money. And it's very interesting because that moment with the, the sinner woman, she's crying. She's at Jesus' feet. The Pharisees, no, the Pharisees were the ones that looked all pretty. But Jesus was saying, no, nah, these are the ones that really get it. They're the ones that are really getting new life because they need to be forgiven of much. They've been given so much of their life. They've just been given you know, time and time again to a new guy, a new person, a new job, a new setting. And, and constantly, ladies have felt this so much that uh, trying to position themselves where they're, they're minimalized in a world that says they're a sex symbol and they're trying to have power and position. But what Jesus says is, no, 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 you actually have identity as my daughter. And he says, I love you and I'm gonna give you eternal position. And I actually have a spot for you on the team. You don't have to feel belittled and you can learn my biblical truths and you can, you can run with the disciples. And, and in fact, the, the guys, they're gonna, they're gonna miss it some nights. They're gonna, they're gonna need to see your faithfulness. They're gonna need to see you guys going to the tomb first. They're gonna need to see you longest at the cross. And, and sometimes you're gonna have to open up your home. You're gonna have to deal with these idiots, but you know what? They're worth it because watch it. We're gonna change the world. We're gonna do it together. And, and really understanding what it meant to truly be loved because what he was offering was he was like, I'm gonna give you a new life every time. And, and, and then the 
the pedals can never be touched. They can never be broken. And, and in a world where the billboard never tells you that, you never actually hear the truth. You never hear what's most true. You never hear that Jesus loves you, that you're a Jesus girl, that you have identity. It was late night. We were watching this, this sermon in, this, in the hotel. And my kids, they, 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 they praise Jesus and it blesses me. And, and, our, and our kids, they, they, they challenge Crystal and I and we think about as we watch them. Sometimes we're like, wow, they're, they're showing us more of God. And we don't know if, if, if they've gotten really good at the art of manipulation if it leads to a Happy Meal um, request. But either way, they'll be praying sometimes in the car. They'll be having their eyes closed. And, and I remember um, our oldest said, I want you to turn it on the preaching channel, Dad. And on the preaching channel, we turned to this, converse, this message. The preacher's going crazy. And he goes, I'm trying to plant identity in my kids when they're young. And he says, I'm going to tell them things, not just what not to do. I'm not going to give them those re religious laws of just don't do this or only celebrate on this day. Or this is the only time when, when someone is significant. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell them, you know, that they're a Jesus girl regardless, that they have obedience regardless. And then I'm, I want them to repeat it. Like I'm faithful, I'm obedient, I'm a Jesus girl. And this is what he was telling his daughter. I'm like, that's a good technique. We took that home and I started telling Giselle, I said, Giselle, say, I'm a Jesus girl. She's like, what, who are you? I said, I'm a Jesus girl. And she's like, I'm a Jesus girl, you know? And I say, say, I'm a genius, I'm a genius. And say, I'm obedient, I say, I'm obedient. And say, I'm faithful, I'm faithful because just like the seeds, I'm a dreamer, I can be anything. Because when she gets older, when the world's telling her a lie, I pray that she knows in the depths of her heart, just do you know this in the depths of your heart today that you could say, I'm a Jesus girl, that I'm obedient, that I'm faithful, that I've been forgiven of much. Maybe that's a good exercise for you to take home. You're like, well, my kids aren't little. Maybe you could think of a different technique that could still stimulate the same truth that we don't honor just based upon what day it is. We honor moms, ladies. We honor because they're gods. And God doesn't make trash. We've never looked at somebody who doesn't matter to God. God gives dignity. God gives hope. And We'll conclude this morning thinking about the story of the gospel. The truth that by grace we've been set free. We can't earn it, no matter how much we try. So and how good we try to get cleaned up, we'll never be able to earn it. And this is the freedom. So that means we should just go live reckless and sin like crazy? No, no, no. Actually, to be forgiven a much, you're really excited to obey because you recognize what you've been given. To be given eternal life is, I mean, that's the grand finale. Okay, that is it. That is awesome. If, you, if someone thought that they could conquer death, I mean, how much money gets paid on just to look pretty to go to death? So much. Jesus gives free life forever. That's the new life. And you go all the way back in the beginning, very beginning. Sometimes we could even say, well, yeah, Eve ate the apple. Yeah, Eve's part of the fall. Yeah, well, Eve, if the girl wouldn't have been so pretty and trying to deceive us, then we wouldn't be here today. You know what's fascinating? is God didn't hold Eve the same way accountable as he did Adam. And then in Romans chapter five, it says, through one man's sin came, check this out, one man's sin came, Adam, and then now one man comes and takes away all of the sin by the righteousness in him alone, Jesus. And I love that in Genesis three, it talks about when God is talking to the serpent and he says, because you have done this, 
get a uno momento win. Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field, and on your belly you shall go, and in dust you shall eat all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. And here, get this, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. And what that meant was, through the woman is gonna come the solution. It's gonna come the antidote. It's gonna come the savior. And it's gonna be a fatal blow because a, 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 a crushing to the head would be fatal and you're just gonna be able to touch his heel and you'll have just a moment, a glimpse of that you can make him suffer, but it's going to be crushing. And so the very thing that you think that God wouldn't, why would he use a girl again if she's already been led astray? No, why would he do that? Because look, God is so into the redemption, restoration business that the greatest place of shame, the greatest place of shame, the greatest place of shame is where God wants to bring redemptive reign. He wants to show his power and he shows his power literally coming through Mary this, the, the, the next time, Mary, that she's most blessed because she gets to carry the son of God. Why? Because I love that Jesus, I, this is every iota, it's all about redemption. That he would go right back to the original source, the original moment, and that he would use a woman to bring the savior of the world. And so you gotta know that through one man came sin, but through one woman, one man destroyed sin. Mother's Day, I'm thankful beyond just our families, but I'm thankful for the eternal plan that God had so that we can be in family forever, so that we can do more than we could ever thought. So remember that the same place of your shame is the same place Jesus brings the redemptive reign. And to close, to think of God's love for you, um, ask him. Like literally, we're gonna, I just wanna pray and ask him so that he can talk to you. I believe he'll talk to you. And I believe some of us, we have daddy issues and the daddy issues carry over to daddy issues. So we can't really talk to God. There's no way daddy would love me because my daddy on earth wasn't there for me. And so the daddy issues, uh, I'm trying to find love in all the wrong places, but, but there's a real daddy that uh, he has no issue with accepting you right where you're at. And, and, he, and he tells you crazy things. He told me in my journal this week, you know what he told me? He said, same thing he's been telling me for 15 years. I love you. You're my son. I, I'm well pleased in you. And then I'm doing a new thing through you. I'm just like, what are you? Yeah, but I missed this email. I didn't get this back in time. I love you. You're my son. I'm well pleased in you. And I'm doing a new thing through you. Well, that's how I'm hearing it. Oh, no, there's no way you love me the way I, 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 I need to get more done for you. No, I love you. You're my son. I'm well pleased. And I'm doing a new thing through you. I'm like, okay, marinate on that. Just pray for a moment. Just close your eyes and let God talk to you. I pray the Holy Spirit would remind you that you are loved. Maybe you hear him calling you by name, I think. You, you haven't heard your name called without somebody wanting something. You don't even know what honor feels like. And today you're feeling, wow, Jesus gives dignity to me? Yeah, you. And for some of us, we're some of the guys, we're challenged because we're like, wow, why are we letting ladies do things that we're supposed to do? We're supposed to help out. We're in this thing together. And so we rise up. You start to hear that there's a bigger king and he, and he still says, hey, I love you. 
You're my son, and I'm well pleased. And the daughters start to say, you know, I'm a Jesus girl. And they start to say that and believe that. And what that means is, man, Jesus, he gives great worth, eternal worth. Maybe right now he's ripping off um, even comparisons. So you're like, well, I'm never going to be able to look as good as the world says. And he just reminds you, whoever said that I cared about that? And he goes right to your heart and shows you what's most true. That he cares in the qualities and the peace and the gentleness you can bring. And the forgiveness and the long-suffering. And all the times you had to hold it down. And all the times that you'll have to hold it down. And there's some guys in the room, you had to hold it down when the ladies weren't around. And all of that. And God's here. He's present. He's with you. He's speaking to you right now. Jesus... I ask for your, uh, just, just your mercy to, to flow down into every person here, that we would celebrate in a way that remembers we're your kids and we'd give dignity to all people and especially women today, especially moms. We celebrate them. We thank you for the life-giving power we've seen through them. We thank you for the redemptive work that your son came through Mary. God, we thank you for the great plan from Adam to the, the, the final Adam, which is Jesus. We thank you for that story that we're in, that we're pointing to. We thank you for our eternal home. And God, we recognize today that you say you love us. And that love transforms us so much that we take all of our possessions and we're like the, the woman crying at Jesus' feet, forgiven of much, recognizing our sin that is so ever before us, that we've sinned against you, God, and that if we just turn to you, you'll accept us. And you'll make us new. God, we commit our lives to you and ask for your grace and your mercy to continue to guide our families today, to be with those in pain that don't have family, God, that we would, um, maybe we don't have children, but like Mother Teresa, we'd be inspired today to, to take a step. That love would hurt, but it would be worth it as you pour out truth about us. We lay our lives right before you, Jesus, asking you to have your way. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the City Life Lansing podcast. Loving you and loving the city one life at a time. For more information, messages, and to partner financially, go to citylifelancing.com. You belong here.